0: You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hi guys, like my sister said, I'm Amanda Judy, like Kellen said, I'm still Amanda Judy. Um, I am a senior, which means I'm a part of the appointed class. I'm a Christian ministries major. Oh, yeah. And I'm a proud member of Eddie B. Thank you, Hannah. <laughs> and a little bit more about me. I actually studied abroad last semester in Australia. And there I met some amazing people. I met three great girls who I'm still friends with today. And, but we were on a mission to find good Mexican food. And if you've ever been outside of America, it's kind of hard to find good enough Mexican food unless you go to Mexico, of course. So we fought, looked place to place, we went to a couple places, and we found a place that was doable. So we traveled two hours by bus, which at the time seemed kind of worth it. And then they told us to be another 45 minute wait, which was like, it's fine, it's doable. So we waited, we walked around, we chatted, as girls do. And we went back to the hostess stand, and they told us it was going to be another 30, 30 minutes on top of that 45 minute wait which made me come a little, like, hangry and a little annoyed also. These emotions were all normal at the time. I assume that you guys would feel this way too. I had become discouraged and ready to give up. This story reminds me of a lady in the Bible. Um, She was, she had also become discouraged, but a lot less hangry. This was Mary Magdalene. She was one of Jesus's closest friends. Mary waited anxiously outside the tomb for Jesus to resurrect for three days. She waited with patience behind her and hopefulness before her. She was waiting on the return of Jesus because in Matthew, he previously predicted his death and his resurrection. So my story begins in John 20, verse 1. So if you would like to, you can open your Bibles or just listen along as I read this out loud. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of my tomb. We don't know where they've put him. It is important to notice here that Mary urgently went to find others. She was seeking answers in this time of unknown. She thought her Savior had been taken forever, and she had no idea where he had gone. Now we're going to skip to verse 11, which says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white. She seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. So I want you to picture with me, a lady standing there hunched over in her hands, weeping, crying, because she doesn't know where her savior went. She didn't know what was happening next. She didn't really even know what was happening at the time. So have you guys ever felt this way? Maybe it was a two week long spring break that lasted way too many months. Or maybe it was you're waiting on test results on a test you thought you failed. Even though my story was me waiting on food and is not nearly as comparable to the death of my savior, but Mary and I had both become hopeless. I had thought I had ne- was never gonna get my food and Mary thought her savior was gone. In these situations I've known, maybe we're waiting for God to give us answers, or maybe we're like Mary and waiting for God to reveal Himself. We often find the satisfaction in the small fixes and quick fixes rather than what God has planned for us. This waiting is hard. Going into this waiting is hard. Being in this waiting is even more hard. I want you to hear that again. Please listen. This waiting is hard. Going into the waiting is hard and being in the waiting is more hard. I know for a lot of us, having to quarantine at home was very unexpected. you were with your family for longer than you could ever imagine, and I know this was true for me. I was home for my family for five months, and I had never been at home that long, because usually I was working, and I was busy seeing friends, and I was just at home with my family. I hadn't been like that since high school. And even then, I was at school, and I was going to youth group and doing things. but. Many things had changed from what I expected of being home. I expected to have my internship, which got canceled, and I had a job prior, which also I got laid off from, which caused a lot of unexpected and different changes and really took a toll on my mental health. I hoped for the, new normal, to re- to the, for the normal to return, but it's now been six months and the new normal is still here and I'm still waiting for it to leave. Uh, maybe you feel like this too. Maybe you feel like it's never going to end. Maybe you feel like these past months have felt like years. Maybe you've, just, you've thought about quick and easy solutions to these big, massive problems. For me, I've known I've thought about all these things and felt these weights one time or another during this time of quarantine. I could have found easy fixes to my problem by just going to McDonald's, as they say, Maccas. But that wouldn't have been as fulfilling. I would have still, I, Mary could have easily just given up and lost her faith, but she didn't. In Australia, I did learn a lot about waiting, but I also learned a little bit about skateboarding, which is a little twist of events. But just like any sports, it takes time and patience. Put time and patience to learn a new trick or a new skill. This involves a period of waiting in that, in that process of learning new things. Through skateboarding, I learned that patience can be a very difficult thing. I saw kids break skateboards over their knees out of frustration and become unsatisfied in that waiting period. Again, this waiting is also hard. For you, this frustration might not be comparable to skateboarding. It might be figuring out the perfect golf swing or figuring out how to work with a new art medium, but we can all relate to this feeling of waiting and wanting to give up and finding a quick fix. In John 2013, we can read that Mary assumed someone stole Jesus. This was her type of quick fix. She necessarily didn't fix her whole problem, but it answered her problem to where Jesus might have been. She just put a bandaid over it, but later she realized that wasn't the answer to it. We can also focus so much on these quick fixes that we also we just think that they're gone. So these quick fixes give us a Band-Aid, but it reopens the womb later on in the future. But Mary, in this quick fix, didn't even realize she was talking to Jesus during this time. She didn't realize it was Jesus standing in front of her until he called her name, until he said Mary. We hope for our McDonald's quick fixes to fill our Shake Shack problems, but this is not the case. In this waiting, we need to focus on the Lord. Even though this waiting is hard and sometimes unexpected, we have to know God is moving and working in the waiting. Again, God is moving and working in the waiting. They even said, sang about it earlier. In some situations, God may be so clear and so obvious and we can just hear Him and know what He wants for us. But in a lot of situations, we have to search for Him. We have to hear His voice and we have to know what He sounds like. Mary knew Jesus' voice and knew when he, who said her name instantly when she, he said it. So we have to listen for God to call our name sometimes in that waiting. When it's difficult to see God's goodness, we often, we have to know who God is. We have to know that voice. We have to know truths about God and hold him close to our heart. We have to know God is with us, God will provide for us, and most importantly, that God loves us. As we remind ourselves of who God is, don't forget who God created us to be in this wait. And so will you please bow your heads and pray for me. Lord, I just thank you so much for this opportunity and for open ears and open hearts. I pray that everyone here just keeps their eyes on you during this hard time of waiting and they listen for that voice that you have. Um, In Jesus name I pray, amen.
1: Good morning, Asbury. My name is Gabe Ernst, and I have the pleasure to introduce one of my best friends, Caleb Rogentine. Caleb is best known for being what I would like to call a spontaneous introvert. And I don't know if that's a phrase that's out there, but that's what I made up to call him. And so in my experience as one of his close friends, he would never hesitate to come in my room late at night and ask me, do you want to go to Taco Bell do you want to go to Walmart? Do you want to go get lunch, um, dinner, you know, even if it's two in the morning?" And so he, he's an introvert, but he's never afraid to just go out and do something. And so Caleb and I have been friends since the first couple weeks of freshman year, which was two years ago. We met through combined tag events, eating meals together, and especially our first ministry class, CM100 Ministry Admission and we would study for tests, we would meet together, and so from that point on I began to get to know him, and I knew that he was a strong man of God, unwavering in his faith, and willing to learn as he stepped into his call of pastoral ministry. So he's going to be sharing today his heart and a message with you all, so give it up for Caleb.
2: Well, thank you, Gabe. That was very sweet. I appreciate it. Um, so just wanted to give a quick shout-out here. Um, could I get a quick shout-out to the men of Moose Hall, if there are any in this room? Mm-hmm. Hey, there we go. <laughs> and a quick shout-out to the faithful class as well. Yeah. Woo! Awesome, awesome. OK, so being at the age we are, I'm sure we've all waited for something. Whether it's something small, like the line in the calf to move so we can get our food and leave the calf as quick as possible, or that red light to turn green light in, in that one intersection. Or it's something really big, like our passport to come in so that we can go and travel different countries. Or for some of us, it's getting those grad school acceptance letters in. Whether you want to admit it or not, you've, you've waited for something. And the time I specifically uh, remember waiting for something really big was just very recently over quarantine. See, during quarantine, I was looking for a job. And I'm sure many of you were as well. Um, But the reason I was looking for a job was because I did not want to go back to the farm that I had worked at for eight years. And if you know anything about farming, it's hard work. You're outside, you're sweating. It's, It's a lot. It's, it's good work, but it's, it's hard work. So I had applied to multiple places, uh, Walmart, Target, Giant Eagle. Giant Eagle's kind of like Kroger around here, for those of you who don't know. And as I sat there and I waited for those applications to be accepted or denied, I began to seriously, seriously think, you know, what was wrong? Like, why, why are they taking so long? Like some of them took a week to respond. Others took like a month or so to respond. Like I think Walmart took a month and a half to respond. Walmart, of all places, took a month and a half to respond to me. Crazy. See, I couldn't yet see the bigger picture for my summer. Yet I wonder if Abraham had similar thoughts. Instead of how long is it going to be before they return my application, I can imagine Abraham thinking, how is God going to use me and make me into a great nation if I don't have a son to pass down my name at 75 years old? See we can find Abraham's story in Genesis, uh, starting in chapter 12, and it moves all the way through chapter 25. I mean, for those of you not keeping score at home, that's one-fifth of the book of Genesis. 20% 20% of the book of Genesis is dedicated to Abraham's story. Now, <laughs> trust me, I'm not going to go through 20% of the book of Genesis today. but It's frankly too much in 10 minutes. But I do want to point out some things in Abraham's story that show him waiting and listening to God, even in the unknown. See, we can see God call Abraham in chapter 12 uh, initially. And Genesis 12, 1 through 5, reads as follows. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will also curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. Now, to put some context behind why I would say Abraham was questioning how God was going to make him a great nation, in the ancient Near East culture, inheritance is a big thing. So when you die, all of your possessions, your name, money, goats, cows, slaves, whatever you own gets passed down to your son or daughter. See, Israelite law only recognized that the son, should, the firstborn son actually, should receive all of the inheritance. But since Abram has no son, he is no one to pass down his name. See, it would actually go to his, his brothers, his, all his possessions and stuff, and we can find them listed in, in chapter 11, so he, he at least has some family. But he wants to keep his legacy and to make his name great. I mean, surely none of us think that way today. Um, I know none of you think about how great your Twitter page is and how many followers and reactions to your tweets we all have or how many people recognize us on campus. I know no one thinks about that around here. Um, But anyways, see, the thing with Abraham is that he just doesn't sit down and wait when God tells him that he will be a great nation. He gets up and goes and does what God tells him to do. See, the text says that Abram went. And there's nothing really in there that can say, oh, Abram questioned himself before he went. No, he went. We could probably theorize quite immediately, Abraham just got up and left. He leaves his home country. Everything that he's gathered here in Haran, he's, you know, his wife, his goats, cattle, whatever. And he moves off into Canaan. (laughs) And to quickly summarize Abram's story in its entirety. We can see him called by God, go through Egypt and interact with Pharaoh himself. God tells him he will have have a son, and he and Sarah both laugh. You know, there's no way a 75-year-old man and a 65-year-old woman are going to have a son in that day and age. We don't see it now, and certainly it's not a thing back then. We even see God create the covenant of circumcision with Abram, which allows his name to be changed to Abraham. And this covenant allows people to be recognized if they were a Jew or not, or if they were in the covenant of God. See, and although we think of Abraham as some great faith figure who obeyed God and was faithful to God in everything that he did, and he certainly was, there are times when Abram just doesn't see the bigger picture that God lays out for him. See, Abram gets into those quick fixes like Amanda was just talking about to try and patch it real quick, or to make our waiting period go quicker. See, we, we see A- Abraham slef, slept with his wife Sarah's slave, Hagar, and he ends up getting Hagar pregnant with the son Ishmael. See, but this wasn't the son Abraham was supposed to have that was promised by God. Abraham still had to actively wait by obeying God and continually do those menial tasks. And see, eventually we get to a point where we see Abraham blessed with the son, Isaac. A son to carry on his namesake. A son that will be used by God to help bring Jacob. And Jacob to help bring Joseph. And so on and so forth until we get to David. And David eventually helps bring us Jesus. The, the whole redemptive story of the Bible is laid out by the faithfulness of Abraham. And it all started with him actively waiting and doing what God told him to do. See like Abraham, we today cannot sit down and wait when God tells us to do something or is challenging us in different ways. I mean Abraham at points is so obedient that he takes a whole army, 318 men to be exact, um, (laughs) to go kill some guys so that he can go rescue Lot. I mean it's incredible. But for us today, as we think about Abraham's story, while we might not take out an army or create a whole covenant of circumcision with God, we still need to recognize that there's a bigger picture that God is weaving behind the call or the messiness of life. See, while I was still waiting for those job applications to come back in, I I was looking for other odd jobs to kind of do to kind of fill some time and to uh, earn a little money so I could go to Taco Bell a few more times. (laughs) Um, And what I ended up doing was I cleaned apartments. Um, And I'm talking like deep clean, y'all, like hands, hands and knees on the floor, scrubbing, uh, the kind of clean that your mom expects when you're having unexpected guests over and she tells you to like vacuum underneath your bed, even though you know those guests aren't going to go underneath your bed for any reason. Oh. <laughs> I remember this one apartment. It, oh, it was... Mm. They had left like, empty like food in the fridge and it was all moldy and stuff. It was nasty. Anyways, <laughs> while I was doing that, I, I eventually got a job offer for the summer. And I had worked in retail um, for about two months until I came back down here. And while I couldn't see what I was going to do for the summer initially, I was still active in my waiting on those applications. I didn't just apply to Target, and that was it, or just apply to Walmart, and that was it. I still looked around for things to do and places to apply. See, for, for us now, we may ask, Where is God in these times of division, of race, of politics, church doctrine even? But we know we must wait for him, trust in him, and obey his commands. See, we need to be like Abraham who believed God and obeyed God in everything that he did. (laughs) While we may not see the bigger picture, I'm sure Abraham did not see that having a son— at 100 years old would eventually bring the birth of Jesus to redeem the world, God is still working. We can see him working in conversations we've been having on campus this this semester and what it means to be unified in the body of Christ. While it may be messy, ugly, ignorant, hateful even at times, God's still working in each and every one of our hearts. So. The question is, will you actively wait for God by obeying him while he paints this bigger picture?